You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is Monday, March 22nd, and we've got a lot to talk about because we saw the moves at the end of the week. I did a quick emergency podcast that quickly addressed Steven Nelson requesting a trade and Juju Smith-Schuster signing a one-year deal to stay with the Steelers. To join in talking with me today about this, we have the hosts of the Yin's Hers podcast. We'll tell you all about that show, but we've got Morgan, Jordan, Samantha, all right here on this show. We'll be talking about all the all those things that happened over the weekend, where the Steelers might be going after those moves. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Let's get into it. So as normal on Mondays, we usually have a mock draft Monday. And that's when y'all always submit your drafts. That's for Tuesday. We're doing that with Tony. He hasn't had one yet. But today, we have special guests on the show. Now, if y'all ain't with the times, y'all have missed out on the the opening and the continuation of the Yinshurst podcast. And they have taken Twitter by storm, taken YouTube by storm. They've been killing the game. And I was so blessed to be able to get them to come on the show. And at the perfect time with Juju and the situation that happened on Friday. And if you, you need all the details on Juju, I did the emergency podcast. But we're here to talk about today. Today, we have the hosts of the Inters podcast. We got Morgan, Jordan, and Samantha all on the show. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me. I, I wanted to lead off with Jordan because... It's just again, I didn't plan on it happening with after the you know, after the Juju signing. We planned this a, a week ahead of time, but it is just a fact. Y'all had Juju on your show in your debut episode saying, "I want to stay in Pittsburgh," and now he's staying in Pittsburgh for less money than what other teams offered. I gotta ask you, what? How, how do you even process like, yo, I, I that just happened? It's difficult to process for sure. It was difficult to process as it was happening. I, the moment that he said, I haven't, I haven't really told anybody that yet. I was like, crap, we just broke news. Yes, we just did. had a moment where we, an athlete came on our show for the first episode and said what they were looking for in free agency. And there's a lot of, uh, there's some cloudy, murky waters around whether or not he was offered the, things from other teams like I right there there's some speculation that maybe that whatever this this offseason has been so unlike any other offseason that we have had because of the pandemic and because of the lower cap it uh, in, in a normal season maybe Juju would have gotten way more money offered to him from other teams and he would have left but I think he, he didn't owe us anything. He didn't have to tell us any of that. He didn't have to tell us the truth. Like, and he had no reason to blow smoke up our butts. So the fact that he came on the show and said that I immediately believed him. I didn't necessarily take that to mean he's definitely coming back, 
which is why those five days this past week were so stressful <laughs> from the start of the legal tampering period to when he signed. But I, I felt like, okay, he really is serious about wanting to stay here. So whether or not he was offered more money elsewhere, I think that all the receivers realize we're not going to get the big payday that we thought we were going to get because the market for receivers just is not as it's, it's so saturated with draft talent, with free agency mm -hmm. talent, and everybody's putting their money into the offensive line because that's priority. Mm -hmm. So I think that the fact that he wanted to stay, whether he took $1 million less or 5 million less, like the fact that he took a pay cut, essentially to stay in Pittsburgh is huge. And the fact that we broke that on our show is just <laughs> unbelievable to me. <laughs> I, I want to turn to Samantha real quick. Uh, and, we're, and we're getting all three of you in this segment, but S Samantha, one thing that I thought was really cool. I saw, yeah, we all saw on social media was uh, him doing FaceTimes with James Washington, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, even Devlin Hodges was on it. And they're like, this is my family. And there, there's absolutely the, the, the BS of, football players all love each other and they're they're friendly all the time like there's definitely stuff that there are errors that are put on for fans just to create illusions but it really looks like and i think this move further confirms that at least with these group of guys they really do like each other and there is that steelers familial environment that we've talked about being part of the organization for years i just think this is this adds to that legend of how the organization works samantha yeah no i 100 percent agree i don't think it's like um, you know, just for show, you can tell that they really do care about each other. Even Zach Banner, you know, trying with his cryptic tweets before the Juju news. <laughs> I was trying to get it out of him. I was like, come on, tell me. And he was like, he just sent me back like an anxiety gift. And I was like, you are not helping like you are at all. But um, it it's crazy. Yeah, they definitely have a super close bond. You can just tell it, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter. They're most active on Twitter for sure. But the fact that they're just FaceTiming like that, like for fun, you can just tell that's, they do, they have a unique bond. And I think especially in that wide receiver corpse, for sure. Morgan, I wanted to ask you this. We, we all, when we talk about who's the face of the Steelers, you know, a lot of people, some people say it's been Ben Roethlisberger for, for a time with Heinz Ward, Jerome Bettis, Troy Polamalu, you know, we've gone through these transitions, but now we're in the stage where it bends on his way out. You know, TJ Watt is the best player on the team, but he has, he's not the face yet. He hasn't, he hasn't, he, he hasn't established that persona where he talks a lot. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick could get to that point, but again, he doesn't, he's, he's not out there yet. Juju is the stealer who's, I mean, he was, he was in a Super Bowl commercial. I know that he's just on a one year deal right now, but he's the highest selling jersey among the Steelers. I think he rose to sixth overall over this, over this past weekend as far as all NFL jerseys being sold. Is he the face of the Steelers right now? at least for this year and where he's been for the past couple seasons. And does that mean good things for the organization? Cause we know there are a lot of people out who are trying to say, Oh man, the culture it's getting wrecked by the dancing and, and this, that, and the third. And I just don't think that's the case. Anyone out there who thinks that they're that every single NFL team does not dance in their locker room after a win <laughs> is so like so severely misled, misinformed, mistaken, whatever you want to call it. They, every team reacts that way. Um, I think Juju is 
without question right now, the face of this team. And part of that is because he puts himself out there on platforms where people can interact with him, engage with him, get to know him as a human. Like that's what people in younger generations like to see. People like to see athletes be humans, have their own lives, interact with them. Like we don't expect, and I'm not super young, I'm 33. We don't expect just because he plays football, that's all he's ever going to do. It's always, he's going to eat, sleep, breathe football. I mean, we don't expect that. And even like my dad, who is in his sixties, he doesn't expect that. So I think it's a small margin or, or a small margin that lies in between people who see Juju as the face of the organization and people who want Juju out. And that's a smaller group. I will say, I think a majority of people like Juju and what he brings to the table, just his leadership alone. If we're, if we're ignoring what he does on the field, if we're ignoring that he has the third most, or or, I'm sorry, he's the third best receiver when he's thrown a catchable ball in the league, Mm -hmm. If we're ignoring all of that and we want to say, oh, he doesn't put up thousand yard seasons. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do this. I mean, whatever bullshit you want to say to justify your reasoning for not liking Juju, like, sure, go ahead. But that isn't who he is. Like, we're not, we like Juju and people like Juju because we see him as a real, genuine, unique, funny, engaging, entertaining human. And that's something that we don't see a lot in a lot of players. Like we're not going to see that in TJ Watt. They're two different people. We're never going to see it. Um, TJ may be like the strong silent type face of the Steelers. I could also say Cam Hayward Mm. is the same. I think that he is a strong candidate for face of the Steelers, but the one that is going to be the most widely recognized, the one that's going to be the most, the loudest, who's going to speak the loudest, not, not, Juju is not a loud person. I will say that we, when we sat down and talked to him, he's very, he just comes across very genuine, but he has a presence. And in this day and age, I mean, you're right. Super Bowl commercial. That's what, that's what counts. They're they're getting the attention. We're not done here. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to all all three of our guests about on the field, where, what Juju is going to be able to do for the Steelers for another season. But first we got to talk to our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag, the only place that we trust here in the Lockdown Podcast Network to place bets on. Even though football season's over, there's a ton of different ways to make money by gambling on sports right now. If you go to BetOnline.ag today and sign up for your free account, you'll get a 50% bonus to your first deposit simply by entering the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters and all one word. And that will get you your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Right now, sure, the NFL is done. But you can put money down on where certain free agents might be going in the NFL. You can also bet on college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL. All different ways to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. BetOnline.ag. Remember, use that promo code LOCKEDON. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. LOCKEDON. All capital letters, all one words. To get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. (laughs) 
back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with the hosts of the Yin's Hers podcast, Morgan, Jordan, and Samantha. Now, back to Jordan. We talked about the, you know, the, the feels of Juju and what, he, what this means from a, a charismatic standpoint and what it means for the Steelers. But on the field, Juju, I believe he had the, the second most third down conversions out of the slot uh, of any player in the NFL last year. He had the most touchdowns out of the slot last year. He, he definitely proved himself as a reliable guy for the Steelers. But mm-hmm. I wrote this article, Jordan, on uh, uh, over the weekend after they signed him, uh, just breaking down the film. And something that I said during the season, when everyone was talking about Juju shouldn't uh, uh, shouldn't be, be dancing on logos and this, that, and the third, and look at how teams are responding, I said, but wait a second. What about the missed opportunity of the fact that they are responding? And that's a chance for Ben to say, oh, you're selling out to hit Juju? You're leaving this guy open. You're leaving Ebron and Claypool. And I, I showed film of that. Is there a sense from, you know, I, I wanna, I'll start with Jordan on this, but is there a sense that you think that there's that still that hatred of Juju out there from other teams that might carry over and that the Steelers could play off that in their scheming of this year? I th- it's a little tricky, right. at least from the way that I perceived it. I, I feel like it, it's possible that guys took exception to him dancing on logos. Mm. I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, my, my perception of it was more so that like they're football players mm. and they're going to go after the guy with the ball. Well, and d- just, just to build on what I was saying there, Von Bell, when he forced the fumble in the Bengals, in the Bengals game, he said, all I saw was one nine and I just went for him. And if you look at the play, there you go. he yeah. had deep zone responsibility. If Ben, if Ben stops for three seconds and says, oh man, mm-hmm. Chase, Chase Claypool was open for a touchdown. That's the kind of stuff that I saw. And I was like, man, if the Steelers could yeah. take advantage, the way that they took advantage when Joey Porter called the Colts soft before the playoff game, right. and then the Colts came in ready to defend the run, and the Steelers just said, here's play action. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought should have happened there. So that, that, that was why I asked that question. Gotcha. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that he said that. So, yeah, they're, they're targeting him. I think that just further exposed the issues that the Steelers had on the offensive line and Ben's inability to adapt in the moment because he was just trying to get the ball out of his hands as fast as he could, because he yeah. had zero time in the pocket. And it, it, part of that is on the offensive line. Part of that is on Ben for not being flexible. And a big part of that is on Randy Baker for the, for the scheme and the, and the play calling. And I don't know how the, what the percentage of that breakdown actually looked like in mm-hmm. the season, but they all played a part in that. And I think that as the Steelers address their issues on the line and kind of bolster their run game and give Ben more time back there and more options, right? he might be able to, in that moment, have a couple extra seconds to breathe and let the play open up and read his options and see because Juju in the slot, it's always going to be a little bit closer. And right. Ben was just making those quick, quick short yard passes all the time. Mm-hmm. And he trusts, he trusts Juju. Like that's, that's a thing. He really relied on him heavily because they had that chemistry and that connection. And now that there is a year of him playing with Chase Claypool uh, and 
and kind of getting more comfortable with Deontay Johnson because he was, Ben was injured when Deontay was really starting to break out. Mm -hmm. I think that with all of the fresh faces on the offensive side of the ball, including Matt Canada calling, calling the plays, he, Ben will hopefully have more time to read the play and be like, Oh, so everybody's kind of gravitating towards Juju because he's a polarizing figure and people want to go after him. So now I do have all these deep threats and guys who are super athletic, like Deontay Johnson, like I I can spread the ball out. I don't have to just throw it to Juju. And if they're going to double team him, triple team him, quadruple team him because he danced on a freaking logo, then yeah, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to throw, throw it around and spread the love. Now, I wanted to talk to Samantha about this because you mentioned in the previous segment about how, you know, the Steelers do have all the, the you know, a good receiving core. And now it's, it's it stays as deep as it was. I was of the opinion that even if Juju didn't come back, having Claypool and Johnson in Washington was a was a solid, steady group that you could add to with a rookie in the draft and, and keep uh, Ray McLeod. But now that you've got these four guys back, you know, they still need to balance the offense. They need to get a run game because teams you know we're picking at Ben and Ben's not the most cerebral quarterback we you know he's like he's a gutsy guy he makes those plays but I wanted to talk to you Samantha and get or get your opinion on when it comes to the diversity of just the skill t- the skill levels of these different receivers could this make them the best receiving unit in the NFL now it, maybe not right away because Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are still together in Tampa Bay and who knows if they get Antonio Brown back and that would be a crazy group but this is still a young group where Juju's the most experienced. He's 24 years old. Years old, Yeah. That's just mind blowing. I, anytime I just look at that, I'm like 24 years old and has this much experience, like unreal, like mm-hmm. you cannot put a price tag on that. You just can't. It's I, I do believe that they are the most, um, not the most, they're the best receiving court in the NFL. I think if Deontay can get, you know, the drop ball thing under, under control this season, hands down, hands down. I, I, I'm right with you there. I wanted to go to Morgan about this too, because now we see, and, and something also I saw, um, you know, on, on tape, cause I'm a big film study guy. You know, I don't, I, I you know, I use quotes and stuff, but I, I love to look at the film and let that dictate to me what's going on. I think a big part of the problem last year was, especially late in the season, was that Ben Roethlisberger, like Jordan was saying, became too dependent on Juju underneath to to save him. And even when he had time, he would not try to throw the ball downfield to Chase Claypool, who was speeding down the field and not and and not let Deontay Johnson work, work, work where he work his route running in the middle of the field. If they find that balance it's going to never highlight anyone's numbers. Cause, uh, and Morgan, I, 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 this is my question is just, we saw in the winning streak when they were well, up to a point where, like, where they were eight, no, almost every game, they had a different receiver leading the, the, the numbers and no guy had ballistic. No, no one was Antonio Brown. Everyone was kind of just making it happen, but it seems to me that this is a sort of selfless group for as much as they're, they're made out to be divas they seemed okay with that system. And I think that's a huge part of what this offense could be, especially with Matt Canada, a, a coordinator. People like to say, oh, Juju's not a number one receiver because he doesn't put X amount of numbers up, right? Neither does Deontay, neither does Chase, neither does James Washington. We're not seeing those numbers because Ben likes to spread the ball out, period. Yeah. He just does. And, uh, you know, I love 
that we were exposed to possibly the biggest diva in the NFL at receiver for a very long time. And then, you know, once he's gone, it's this breath of fresh air where we see a leader like Juju celebrating other people's successes and teaching these young receivers that we should celebrate each other's successes. Like I'm going to get this block for you so you can get this touchdown and then let's all celebrate in the, in the end zone. I'm not going to go throw a cooler on the sideline because I'm pissed. My numbers didn't hit a hundred. Like, you know, you see that distinct line between the person, the receiver, the player, that Juju is on the field and all these younger guys who are learning from him and learned from the mistakes of Antonio Brown. And, you know, people can bitch all day about the fact that Juju's not putting up receiver one numbers, but in my opinion, what matters to me is the cohesion that you see in that group. Um, and eventually didn't really happen last year. And I I blame a large portion of that, on Randy Freitner and his scheme, but eventually these things are going to matter on the field just as much as they matter in the locker room, just as much as they matter when they're at home kicking it or on FaceTime, calling each other family. Like these things are going to translate on the field. So when the time comes that we have Matt Canada calling plays where Ben can throw down field and not, you know, crossing routes to Juju for three yards, it, it's going to, that's when you're going to see the impact of a player like that. Agreed entirely there. Um, I think that that there, there's a chance to, they had a special balance that sort of lost its way last season. There's a chance to get that balance back. And I, I also think with, in a very cool way, this gives them a chance to redeem themselves because not only did they lose to the Browns, but the Browns were celebrating, you know, do saying the Corvette Corvette thing. This mm-hmm. is a chance to say, all right, y'all was saying that last year, but now we're looking for y'all and no one's going to be snapping. Mm-hmm. Hopefully no one's going to be snapping the ball over Ben's head to start the game. Um, but, <laughs> right, right. But we didn't I, think that would happen last year, but uh, <laughs> you know, you tell you, you tell me, but <laughs> We're going to take one more break. We come back. It's not all juju on this show. We got to talk about the defense. We'll get to Steven Nelson, cornerback, secondary, all that. But first, we got to talk about our friends at Built Bar. You need a snack that's going to both help you get through the rest of your day, but also be good for you. That's where Built Bar comes in. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have 18 amazing flavors, including six of their newest ones, being caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. There's so much to enjoy. And also, don't forget, they help you lose and maintain weight. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for anyone that's currently on a keto diet. Right now, Built Bar has a special promo code for you to get a great deal on their website. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's LOCKEDON15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com.
back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with the hosts of the Yin Hers podcast, Morgan, Jordan, and Samantha. So, Jordan, let's talk about the defense real quick. We talked a lot about the offense, but with Steven Nelson requesting a trade, and, and again, I want to emphasize for everyone, we initially it was thought that maybe these things were related, but it was revealed it wasn't because Juju is coming back for a $2.4, $2.6 million cap hit, and when, and even if Nelson was to stay, the Steelers would be under the cap as is. So mm-hmm. people who want to say, oh, they're they're getting rid of Juju to, or getting rid of Nelson to keep Juju. That's just factually incorrect. But I wanted to ask you, because now this has been the most confident I think the Steelers could say about their about their secondary since the days mm-hmm. of Ike Taylor, Brian McFadden, Troy Polamalu, et cetera, et cetera. And now you're now you're losing two of the three guys, you know, that that made that up. Is there a sense here that there could be like a, hey, there with all the priorities, yes, running game, yes, running back, offensive line, cornerback has to be a priority in this offseason. Do you think that it is it is that important, or do you think Cameron Sutton can hold it down and maybe they just go get a slot guy the way they found Mike Hilton undrafted or a low draft pick somewhere? It's hard to say because this year is kind of like a – final final go round for Ben so I if I'm the GM of of the Steelers I don't know if I would want to wing it with Sutton and put him in in a role that he's Mm. never really consistently been in before and then just kind of like cross my fingers and see what happens I think they need to address the the secondary a little bit just to solidify it and add more depth I'm not sure how they're going to go about doing that because they're, they don't really, ha- they're under the cap. Yes. Yes. But not enough to be just like signing whoever they want for however much money they want, because that's why Steven Nelson is probably requesting a trade. That's the speculation is that yeah. he wanted more money than the Steelers could feasibly give him. And I think that they're, they're probably going to need to make an investment in, whether it's in the draft or just just getting another guy back there to add more more depth, more security. But I also think it's important to keep in mind that Joe Hayden is still going to be here. Yeah. Terrell Edmonds was on the up and up. So he's he's doing a lot better more consistently. Minka Fitzpatrick is still here. Like Mm it's one guy it's it hurts a lot because he and Joe Hayden were such a good cornerback tandem but it's not like we're losing everybody and I think because we had so many years where we had Bryant McFadden and Ryan Clark and Troy Polamalu all in that same area of the field we got a little bit spoiled and Mm -hmm. we went from that to just absolute like a black hole out there (laughs) in the secondary so I don't think we need to have like that elite level talent all across the secondary. I think we just need guys who can show up and do their jobs. And I think they can get a guy like that either in the draft or cheap in free agency. Like uh, I don't necessarily think that it's time to panic. They probably, they should do something about it for sure. Right. But whenever I saw that it was shocking because I, I don't think anybody saw that coming, but I also wasn't like, that's it. Who cares? Why, why, why even watch? We're done. We're going to lose every game because our secondary sucks ass. Like it, I just, I don't think that's the state of the defense. 
I've said this a million times on the podcast, and I will continue to say it until it's not true. But the people are talking about the Steelers losing players this year, like there's no way to recover from it. But I'm saying this is the same Steelers organization that in the less than two calendar years lost Ryan Shazier being paralyzed, Le'Veon Bell just not showing up, Antonio Brown imploding, and Ben's elbow blowing up. And they still found a way to go eight and six without but without all four of those guys and mm-hmm. on a team that like you can't tell me that this team is going to fall off a cliff because they lost their second cornerback their second edge right. rusher and a slot cornerback and their third best interior defensive lineman they, they've lost so many better players over the years and found a way to rebound I want to go to Samantha on this because there are you know Jordan's right there, there are chances to go out and get guys now there's there's the impossible I want Steelers fans to stop saying like hey go get Richard Sherman he's gonna cost you like 14 million a year that that that's out there but as of right now we're recording this full transparency on a Sunday in the middle of the day uh, right now you still got players like Adoree Jackson who was a former first round pick he's Juju's roommate from USC uh, but he got cut by the Titans after getting a little banged up last year um, you still got guys I believe like Janoris Jenkins who's a longtime vet there are guys who I think would be in the more uh, payable range, especially once you get rid of uh, Nelson, you're getting back eight, eight and a quarter of million dollars into your salary cap, putting them close to like $10 million under. So Samantha, I ask is like, do you, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if you're, if, if you watch the, if you look at draft stuff a lot, but is there a sense that you like, Hey, I want to see the young corner or I'm, you're kind of like Jordan, like, Hey, what if we get just a vet to hold it down right now? Yeah, I, I would lean more towards the vet to hold it down for sure. I was dying seeing everyone on Steelers Twitter just tagging a Dory and everything <laughs> and posting pictures of him and Juju together. I was like, here we go, Steelers Twitter again with anybody that is released or cut or whatever. It's just hilarious. I never fails to they start their campaigning for that person to be on our team. Um, but yeah, I think that we have other needs in the draft for sure that we need to address first. And that would cornerback wouldn't be anywhere near my top of the list for sure. I think if we could get a Dory, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I think we do need someone with experience in that position. And that's not going to cost <laughs> Richard Sherman level of pay because right. yeah. I, I, I agree entirely. I wanted to go to Morgan on this and then we'll bounce it around a little bit before we go. Uh, but Morgan, uh, I, again, I look at the Steelers, the Steelers defense. One thing that I think people often fail to realize is that when you're constructing a roster, right, you have to have weaknesses. Like the last thing that won a Super Bowl, the offensive line was garbage. They, Chris Kimowatu was a starter and he was just not good. And, the, you know, that there have to be weaknesses on the team. So there's never there's very rarely do you ever find a team that's solid from every position group. And you're really happy about the talent group. I think there could be a chance that they say, hey, you know what? We still have Joe Hayden over here. You still got Cameron Sutton. We can make it without an extra slot corner. And maybe you get a guy for depth because, you know, a guy getting injured is a concern. But uh, there's still a sense to me that, you know, they could get, even if they don't get it in a Dory Jackson, say I'm going to go through this PFF uh, list of free agents here. If they get, uh, well, they, they actually, these guys are actually all really expensive. Um, you know, Brashad Breeland, I think she, he got signed. But if they get a guy who's a low-level cornerback and they're just say hey we'll live with you right now because we're going to invest in the offensive line the running back position we're going to get another linebacker to pair with Devin Bush and it's just like hey if, if our slot cornerback game is isn't, isn't that strong this year so 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 be it is that something you think is acceptable or are you kind of on the side like hey uh this is Ben's last year ride or die just get it done right now 
Okay. So first of all, I really hope that if we do decide to address the cornerback uh, position and we don't think that James Pierre is enough of a depth piece to move forward with, and we want to sign someone else, I pray to God that we don't draft anybody because we, the Steelers do not (laughs) draft cornerback. Well, like Cam Sutton is the first one we hit on in like two decades. Like it, it has been a while. (laughs) And I'll be honest with you. I like Cam Sutton better in the slot because Mm -hmm. I think he covers a tight end really well. He's got the size. He's got the physicality. I don't love him on the outside. Mm -hmm. So if we could find a veteran who can play on the outside, who's maybe not at the, the top of the league at that position, but do we really need a top of the league guy? I, you know, I don't know. I think that because it is Ben's last year, assuming, assuming Mm -hmm. it is Ben's last year, the Steelers are not number one going to tank the season. I'm sorry to all of you who think like, Oh, we're, we've lost all these guys. We're decimated, which is bullshit to begin with. We're not decimated, but we've lost all the, we've, we lost bud. We lost Mike. We lost, we're losing Steven Nelson. We lost uh, Tyson Alwalu, like all these guys are gone, you know, take the season, get a high draft pick. I don't know if you guys know this team, but like not an option, not even right. if, even if we were decimated, not an option, like they're never going to do it. They're never going to willingly take a season, especially Ben Roethlisberger's assumed yeah. final ride like it's not going to happen so I would anticipate and expect the Steelers to sign a veteran cornerback to kind of fill in that role I think that they like James Pierre I think they like what they saw from him Mm -hmm. at least more so than Justin Lane so that gives us a little leeway as far as not needing to sign the most expensive guy not only because we can't but because they just would they wouldn't we have too many needs to meet Um, assuming they're going to uh, maybe extend Joe Hayden, relieve some cap space there. Right. We still have extensions and some restructuring that we can do to alleviate that cap a little bit. So if we wanted to bring in a Dory and he's a little more expensive than what we have space for now, it's not impossible. I do know the giants want him. So mm. we'll see uh, what happens. Last thoughts here before we, before we go. And I, it's sort of where you were going with your last thought. Morgan was about the Steelers. They don't tank. You know, as money, you know, I, I've been around, I've been covering this team on a, on a professional basis since 2016. And ev- after every one of those seasons, I have seen the rush on, on, on Twitter, on, on TV. This is the, after they lost to the Patriots 2016, this is the year they fall off the cliff. 2017, after they lost to the Jaguars, this is the year they fall off the cliff. 2018. 2018 same thing 2019 when ben got hurt i won't reveal this person's name but i was when he got hurt i'm in the i'm in the line to get into the steelers locker room after the, the seahawks game and one of the reporters turned around to turn around to me and looked and said this is it this is over they're done they're finished and i was like like calm down it's not that real uh like even if they were like it's not that real and, and, but like it seemed like, they, like there was this this one guy was just really happy to do it um uh, but i just i see this and i want to start with back with jordan on this they call for this again and some people try to play it off by saying well they haven't won enough playoff games in so many years but 
to me, the foundation of being able to get your team to a point where they're competing for the playoffs, that shows the organizational strength. It shows the coaching strength. It shows that this team isn't really going to take. Oftentimes, what they falter on, Jordan, at least from my perspective, is they got they get hurt late in the season, which has happened pretty much every year now, and they have, they have some poor play, sometimes by Ben, sometimes by other guys, but there's other reasons that aren't this team is completely inept and can't win in the playoff reasons. There are so many reasons why we haven't had much success in the playoffs as of late. And my, my response to that is always, okay, would you rather be competitive and at least make it to the playoffs every year? Would you rather be like the jets or the Texans who look at them right now? They're a mess. They're just a dumpster. It's not even on fire because the fire can't even be bothered to deal with them. They're, (laughs) they're garbage. Like I would much rather And it's one of those situations where like you see people in new England freaking out after a seven and nine season, after two decades of sheer dominance, like you get accustomed to certain things and a certain way of winning Mm. that whenever you drop off in any way, it's viewed as unacceptable. And there, there is a lot that is, placed squarely on the player's shoulders and on Mike Tomlin's shoulders because that yeah sometimes they just look like a team that was not prepared Mm -hmm. for for certain matchups but more often than not especially in this season they were a team that was finding ways to win regardless of what happened for the first 40 minutes if they could find a way in those last 20 minutes to just string something together they, they, that's why they won 11 and 0, but things just caught up to them this season. And there was so much going on with their schedule being tweaked because of other teams and their COVID issues. And with injuries, it just felt like every single game we had somebody else going down. And I've said it before, but like, it was essentially coming down to Ben being the one having to figure out how to like draw plays up in the dirt because he couldn't rely on his offensive coordinator, but he didn't have the offensive line to do that. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have the backfield to do that. So he was trying to carry the team like he was 20 some years old and that's just not possible anymore. And even, even when he was in his twenties, he's, you know, he's, he's Ben, like he has his strengths, but he also has his weaknesses. And I think that, this is going to be really telling of like of the the organization's understanding of their problems and whether or not they can see what their issues are and address them in a way that actually starts to fix them because that it was very obvious to everybody watching yeah. everybody in Pittsburgh elsewhere even casual observers yeah. knew what the Steelers biggest issues were so if the the front office doesn't make changes this year that improve upon those issues, then I think we have a problem. But up to this point, is it frustrating that we haven't really won much in the playoffs? Yeah, but it's also understandable. And I think that there's just way more going on than this team just being not a playoff team. I think that they, they have to overcome something different every year. And it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. 
and, and again, the NFL is a t- one of the toughest, maybe mm-hmm. the toughest league to win in professionally because it's one and you're done. You can lose two mm-hmm. games in the Stanley Cup playoffs and yep. still win the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, yep. it, it's the same thing for the NBA and the World Series. You know, but in the NFL, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, you mess, you stub exactly. your pinky, you have a bad day, you make one mistake in a game, your whole season is done, and as you could have gone like like the Patriots when they went, what was it, uh, eighteen or seventeen or no mm-hmm. eight, however long many wins they got that season, and then they lost to the Giants at the end. Were they bums? No, they just had one game where they couldn't find the answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I wanted to go to Samantha about this because something you said, Jordan, was very interesting. You know, you brought up the Patriots and how the the fans like it's seven and nine. What's going on here? One thing that I think gets unfairly painted upon the Steelers fans, especially by local media with how, how some of this is, it's, it's saying the Steelers fans are so illogical. And I agree, Steelers fans are spoiled. It happens to every fan base where a team wins for so long that, that, that people lose logic in their reasoning. But Samantha, one thing I, you know, we see the Patriots, like Jordan said, they just, they won six Super Bowls in like 19 seasons. And, you know, and, and, and they had Tom Brady, but you have all this stuff to celebrate. And now here there's a, there is a legit fire Belichick crowd in new England. Pittsburgh's not special in their, special in their crazy fandom. Everybody's like that. As a person who lived in lived out in the Philadelphia area for four years, let me tell you, no matter what Pittsburgh does, they ain't that crazy. I I, I got I had a person try to fight me because they were mad that Larry Fitzgerald was scoring a touchdown. I'm like, ah, the Steelers aren't even playing you today. Why do you want to fight me? That's yeah. level. But I want to, I guess, a long way to say, Samantha, when you see it, you know, again, you're in another part of the country. You're not in Pittsburgh, but is there a sense for you that's like, hey, like Steelers fans? Yes, there's fanatics because that's the whole thing about being a fan, but there's nothing crazy or out of this world that makes them worse than any other fan base because of that. Yeah, no, uh, it's funny you say that because like, look, we just talked to um, John Buffon, Buffoon, I don't know how to say his name. Buffon? Yeah. Buffon? Okay. Okay. Totally botched that. Um, But he's a Bears fan and that's something that we actually talked about is like on my floor, this upcoming season I was like the worst thing I would expect it to be would be like 10 and 6 and he was like that's your floor I'm like yeah that's that's the floor and he was like I can't even like that (laughs) like we would be ecstatic like we would be just out of our minds if we went 10 and 6 and I'm like and so we went eight and eight with Mason and Duck like there's not a lot of room and so I think we are for sure spoiled in our fan base 100% we lose one like the first game that we lost we saw it happen oh it's juju's fault the dancing (laughs) the dancing i'm like oh yes it's juju's fault all of a sudden it's juju's fault so we do have the fanatics out there in that extent where they're just like so extreme to one side and you cannot talk to those people yeah i i just gotta let them go i make that mistake all the time um Mm -hmm. but you're not changing their mind you are not changing their mind they are who they are they see what they want to (laughs) see Absolutely. I wanted to finish with Morgan here. Um, again, when we talk about the Steelers and the, and their strengths, I, I, I have, I, you know, I continue to tell people I will stop believing in the Steelers when they give me stop reasons, reasons to stop believing in them. Because as Jordan said, you know, you know, if they don't address certain things right now, then you, t- you know, certain issues that we know are here right now, they do that. But in the early two, in the late two thousands, when they, when they had the, t- the terrible offensive line, what did they do? They drafted Marquise Pouncey in 2010. They went and got DeCastro, Marcus Gilbert in the next few years. And they built an offensive line that was one of the best in the NFL for the next decade. The secondary was garbage from 2014 to 20. 20- 17 and what have they done now they built a secondary that everyone looks like we got to watch out for those guys 
this is what good organizations do. Now, granted, not everything can line up all the time where it is, but Morgan, uh, at least from my perspective, this is why I'm fairly confident they know what they're doing. And it may be something that we disagree. Like someone, they may pick a lineman in the first round that people are like, that guy's a second round lineman. Why would you do that? But usually we find out after the fact, oh, okay, that was a good move because Kevin Colbert and the Steelers, they know what they're doing. Right. And this is why it's so hard to win in the NFL, right? It's about like, yeah, you spend a couple of years building up a really, really great offensive line. And in that time, when you've been focusing on those weaknesses, your strengths then become your weaknesses. So it's about timing a lot of the time in the NFL and addressing those needs when they need to be addressed. And I, my dad calls me the eternal optimist. Like I will always think that the Steelers will be competitive. I'm never going to, I'm never ever going to be like, yeah, this is a wash. This is we're done. But they've, they've um, never not been. They've given you every a reason every year to that's believe That's what that. I'm saying. Like even, even in the years where we had the worst <laughs> secondary in the league burned on every single play, like yep. allowing so many points per game, we still had the, like the best offense in the league. So mm-hmm. like, we're always going to have one or two facets that are ultra competitive. I think that Fans, I hate to tell you, but the front office and Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin have their jobs and are paid the big bucks for a reason. They know what they're doing. There's a reason Mike Tomlin doesn't have a losing season. He knows the positions that he needs to address. If he likes one offensive lineman over another, someone who uh, Todd McShay tells you is a third rounder, but Mike Tomlin likes him in the second then he's going to go get him. He's going to go get his guy. There are certain positions that I don't agree with Mike Tomlin being great at drafting. One of those is corner. We've already addressed that. And that's fine. Go find a veteran corner. I think by now we're kind of picking up on the fact that we need a running back. We're going to go get a running back. We need to address the line. We're going to address the line. Maybe it's not some big time player in the first round. The Steelers very rarely draft a high like caliber position player in the first round that was a Heisman candidate and uh, is a household name coming out of college. Very rarely do we get those guys. So, and a lot of fans will be very upset when they haven't heard the name of the guy that's drafted in the first round. But I have faith that especially when it's Ben's last year, Mm -hmm. that they're going to put a team around Ben that is going to contend. And it's going to have the ability to, to week in and week out, go out there and compete. How prepared they are is another question that we, you know, that question remains. Yeah. It will always remain as in the Mike Tomlin era. I'm a Mike Tomlin fan, but we lose to sub 500 teams mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. And we haven't addressed it yet. Well, part of it also, every team does. Heck, the year that the yeah. Patriots, the last year the Patriots won the Super Bowl, I think they went 11 and five. All five teams they lost to didn't have winning records. I've I've always felt that that was one of the things that people say, well, the the Steelers lose lose to everybody in the NFL goes through that. Does that mean the Steelers can clean those things up? Absolutely. But one of the, I hate when people use that as a misnomer to say Mike Tomlin, this is specifically a Mike Tomlin issue when it's like, well, Andy Reid has that problem. I totally agree. But I I get what you're saying. I I agree with your sentiment entirely in saying that the, they, you have the faith. You're just, you want to see what the, what the works in that faith will be in this season. Right. And it's a combination of both. Like if, if they're putting in the work and the preparation, um, 
not only going into this draft to get the guys that they want to get, but every week going in and facing these teams, no matter who they're facing, like that's the mentality. And maybe it is a mentality shift. Maybe it's okay. We're facing the Browns. The Browns is the Browns this week. Like, you know, we don't need to work as hard. And I don't necessarily agree that that's what's happening, Right. but at a certain point, the mentality has to shift into that any given Sunday place. And you know, I think it will. I try. I'm a huge Mike Tomlin fan. I'm never going to tell you that he is the reason that we, that, that our players sometimes don't show up, that the personnel isn't uh, on the same page. I'm not, I'm not ever going to say that unless he shows me that he has yet to show us that. So I agree with that entirely. Ladies, this has been a very fun episode that we've able to. I, I would love to have y'all back here, especially maybe around the draft before or after to talk again with you all, because this has been such a great show. I wanted to give you, you a chance. Remember, y'all, this is these are the hosts of the Yin's Hers podcast. If you don't know now, you know, you better get on it, follow them. Um, but I want to give a chance of each of you to shout out how to follow you specifically and your show, uh, starting with Jordan, how people can you know see all the stuff that you work on. For sure. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Fidge Newton, F-I-D-G-E Newton. And yeah, so I obviously part of Yinzers. I have another podcast I do called Helmet Hair. You can follow that at Helmet Hair Pod. I just drink beer and talk about sports and it's fun if you like beer and sports. But those are the two places you can find me and sometimes I try to be funny. So that's that's about it. Same thing for you, Samantha. Let people know they can find you, follow you, and, and see more of what you do. Yeah, so on Twitter, it's Samantha James and then underscore, and then Instagram, it's Samantha X James. Awesome. Same for you, Morgan. I'm on Twitter at Tokyo XMO, on Instagram at MMM Erzo. If you don't know how to spell it, just MMMU. You're good there. <laughs> I also write for Steeler Nation, so um, you can catch me there. And then you can follow Yenzers at Yenzers on Twitter and Yenzers Official on Instagram. Absolutely. Do check them out. They do great work. Thanks again for listening to the show. Hey, if you're enjoying the, the Locked On Steelers, hey, give them some five-star ratings with some positive comments because y'all know I tell you at the end of the show every, every day, y'all leave me a five-star review with a positive comment. I get you a shout-out at the end of the show. Do the same for Yenz Hurts. Help them get the, get the word out about what they're doing. they're doing. They're doing great work. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Steelers podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio.com. We'll be back in the ears tomorrow doing our mock drafts with, for another Tony Tuesday with Tony Serino. <laughs> <laughs>